the Word of God. First of all, this morning from Genesis chapter 2, beginning at verse 15. Genesis chapter 2, beginning at verse 15 where we read about the very beginnings of our human race. Genesis chapter 2, we're going to read verses 15 through 17 and then begin uh, reading again from chapter 3, uh, verse 1. uh, Through the 19th verse. This is God's holy word. Uh, The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. And the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat of it you will surely die. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, Well, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat from the fruit of the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. Oh, you will not surely die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it, and she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized that they were naked, so they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, Where are you? And he answered, Well, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And he said, Well, who told you that you were naked? Have I... Uh, Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? And the man said, Well, the woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree, and I ate it. And then the Lord God said to the woman, What is this you have done? And the woman said, The serpent deceived me, and I ate it. So the Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, cursed are you above all the livestock and all the wild animals. You will crawl on your belly, and you will eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and hers, and he will crush your head and you will strike his heel. To the woman, he said, I will greatly increase your pains in childbearing. With pain you will give birth to children. Your desire will be for your husband, but he will rule over you. And to Adam he said, Because you listened to your wife and you ate from the tree about which I commanded you, you must not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. And through painful toil you will eat of it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow you will eat your food until you return to the ground, since from it you were taken. For dust you are, and to dust you will return. And then from Luke chapter 4, 
Luke chapter 4. If you're using, or actually a part of chapter 3, if you're using the Bibles and the benches, page 1,594. You'll remember it wasn't uh, that long ago that we heard a, a sermon from a guest preacher on the, uh, specifically on the genealogy that's in this passage, so we won't be concentrating on that today. But uh, reading from Luke chapter 3, uh, beginning at verse 21 through verse 23. When all the people were being baptized, Jesus was baptized too. And as he was praying, heaven was opened and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my Son, whom I love. With you I am well pleased. Now, Jesus himself was about 30 years old when he began uh, his ministry. Uh, He was the Son, and then skipping down uh, to verse uh, 37 or 38... Uh, the son of Enosh, the son of Seth, the son of Adam, the son of God. Uh, Jesus, now full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the desert where, he, uh, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. And he ate nothing during those days, and at the end of them he was hungry. The devil said to him, If you are the son of God, then tell this stone to become bread. And Jesus answered, It is written, Man does not live on bread alone. The devil led him up to a high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And he said to him, I will give you all their authority and splendor, for it has been given to me, and I can give it to anyone I want to. So if you worship me, it will all be yours. And Jesus answered, It is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. And the devil led him to Jerusalem and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. And if you are the Son of God... He said, throw yourself down from here, for it's written, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered, it says, do not put the Lord your God to the test. And when the devil had finished all this tempting, he left him until an opportune time. So far the reading of God's holy word. Beloved congregation of the Lord Jesus Christ and friends, the three most important characters in this section of Luke's gospel are not immediately evident. One of them is, one of them is obvious to us, and he is the most important character, obviously, in this story, and that is Jesus, the well-beloved Son the eternal, natural uh, Son of God come to earth in the flesh. Uh, But the second most important character in this section of Luke's Gospel is our first father, Adam. And he is mentioned, as you saw there, in uh, verse 38 of chapter 3, uh, in the genealogy of Christ, the son of Adam, the son of God. The third most important uh, character, if you would, in this story is another son of God the Father, 
Uh, the son who was spoken of as God's firstborn son in Exodus 4.22, and he is the Old Testament nation of Israel. The three most important characters in this story are Jesus, Adam, and Israel. These three sons of God are at the center of this story, and they are being lined up next to each other in this story, laid out for you, so that you will compare them and you will find yourself in their history. Uh, here is Jesus, uh, who is, notice, being led not by the devil out into the wilderness, but by the Holy Spirit. Look at verse 1 of chapter 4. Jesus, full of the Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the desert, or better, into the wilderness. It was God the Holy Spirit who was putting Jesus to this test in the same way that God Himself put Adam in the Garden of Eden uh, to the test. The Lord, the Lord God, remember we read, took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. And the Lord God is the one who commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat of it, you will surely what? Die. The Lord God puts Adam to the test in the Garden of Eden, and here the Lord God, the Holy Spirit, puts Jesus in the test in the desert, in the wilderness. And uh, here is Jesus also, notice, being led by the Spirit to that special place for a special length of time. Verse 1. He returned from the Jordan, was led by the Spirit, now think about this, into the wilderness, for how long? Where for 40 days he was being tempted by the devil. Put to test in the wilderness for 40 days. This is in the same way that God put his other son, his firstborn son Israel, to the test in the wilderness, in the Exodus, for 40 units of time, in their case 40 years. Deuteronomy 8, 1 and 2, He said to Israel, His son, Be careful to follow every command I am giving you today, so that you may live long and increase and may enter and possess the land that the Lord promised on oath to your forefathers. Remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the desert, in the wilderness, for these 40 years to humble you and to test you in order to know what was in your heart, whether or not you would keep His commands. So you see, what's really happening in this story in Luke 4 is that Jesus is undergoing the same test that Adam underwent and failed and that Israel underwent and failed. Scene 1 of the test. After Jesus had fasted and is very hungry, in verse 3, the devil says to him, If you are the Son of God, tell this stone to become bread. Jesus answered, it is written, man does not live on bread alone. Now it would be blind of us to read about that first scene and not immediately recognize that the temptation, the test that Jesus is facing is very similar to the test that Adam was facing. Uh, the test given to Adam 
was a test uh, to his senses. I look around me and I see all of these uh, delightful things that I may eat and enjoy, and I am free to do that. But I have one restriction, and that is that I will not eat uh, from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now, when Eve is seduced by the serpent to eat, what does the scripture say that uh, stood out to her? Well, she, she looked at the, the fruit and she said, wow, uh, it looks pretty good. It's pleasing to the eye. It will taste good. I'm hungry. I'd like to eat it. And so I'm going to eat it even though I have been told by God not to. And here is Jesus in the wilderness undergoing uh, the same test that Adam was undergoing. Uh, being tempted to satisfy his physical senses, to enjoy the creation in a way that he has been forbidden. And uh, he stands and says, no, it is written, man does not live on bread alone. But of course, it's not only the test that Adam was undergoing. This is the same, uh, another form of the test that Israel was undergoing. In fact, this quote uh, that Jesus gives here is from Deuteronomy uh, 8. Uh, Deuteronomy chapter 8 and verse, uh, verses 3 through 9. He humbled you, says God. He humbled you, Israelites, causing you to hunger and then feeding you with manna, which neither you nor your fathers had known to teach you that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. So observe the commands of the Lord your God, walking in his ways and revering him. Uh, the Lord had delivered the Israelites out of the land of Egypt, and he's bringing them through the wilderness and they are hungry, and so he sends them manna to eat. And he tells them, look, I'm showing you that I will provide for you, that you do not need to fall, uh, follow other gods that will, uh, you think will supposedly feed you, or go back to the Egyptians, or long to go back to that land where you were eating, as if I'm not going to provide for you and bring you into this glorious land flowing with milk and honey. All you have to do is observe my commandments. And how did those Israelites respond? Did they pass the test? No, far from it. In the desert, the wilderness, the whole community, Exodus 16, grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The Israelites said to them, if we had only died in the Lord's hand in Egypt, it would be better for us. At least there we sat around with pots of meat and ate all the food that we wanted, but you've brought us out in this desert to starve this entire assembly to death. The Lord says to Moses, well, I will rain down bread from heaven for you, the people are to go out each day and to gather enough for that day, and this way I will test them and see whether they will follow my instructions. Then he gives them the bread, and they continue to grumble, complain, desire to go back to Egypt, desire to serve other gods. Why? Because they were refusing to be obedient, succumbing to their uh, physical needs and desires. This was the idolatry in the heart. Adam failed that test. Israel failed that test. But here stands Jesus, who prevails. What is the second scene? The devil led him up to a high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And he said to him, I will give you all their authority and splendor, for it has been given to me, and I can give it to anyone I want to. So if you worship me, it will all be yours. And Jesus answers, it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. 
Uh, this isn't the first time that Saint Satan has tempted uh, a son of God to basically deny that the Lord God alone is God. Uh, this is what was happening uh, with Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. Uh, it was very clear that uh, Satan was trying to get Eve to desire to be God herself. Uh, what did he tell her? God knows that when you eat of this fruit, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. You, Eve, can have the knowledge and the wisdom and the control over the creation that God has if you will eat from this uh, fruit, from this tree. And of course, Eve uh, succumbs to that temptation and her husband succumbs to that temptation, the idolatry in the evil human heart, desiring to be God. Desiring not to worship the true God and to follow His will, come what may, but to replace Him with yourself. And that's exactly what Israel did, right? When the Lord your God brings you, Deuteronomy 6, into the land He swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, a land with large flourishing cities you did not build, to houses filled with all kinds of good things you didn't provide, wells you didn't dig, vineyards and olives you didn't plant, when you eat from all of that and you're satisfied, be careful that you do not forget the Lord your God. He is the one who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. And here's the quote that Jesus gave back to Satan when he was tempted. Fear the Lord your God and serve him only and take your oaths in his name. Do not follow other gods, the gods of the peoples around you. For the Lord your God who is among you is a jealous God and his anger will burn against you and he will destroy you from the face of the land. My angel, Exodus 23, will go ahead of you and bring you into the land, Israel, of the Amorites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Canaanites, the Hivites, uh, the Hivites and the Jebusites, and I will wipe them out. Do not bow down before their gods or worship them or follow their practices. You must demolish them and break their sacred stones to pieces. But what happens with Israel all throughout the Exodus and then when they come into the land, does Israel remain faithful to the Lord their God, fear Him and serve Him only? No. Just like their first father Adam. Uh, they decided they wanted to be God. They did not want to worship the Lord their God and serve Him only. They wanted to be God. They wanted the other so-called gods to be God. And so they worshiped them. That's exactly what Adam did. That's exactly what Israel did. And what does Jesus do? He resists. He resists. He will follow the path that the Lord his God has set out for him. He will not decide that it is now time for him to inherit all of the heavens and the earth because that is not God's plan for him at this point. He will submit himself to murder on the cross and then be raised by the Spirit and given the throne of his Father. Jesus answered, it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Adam fails this, Israel fails this, Jesus prevails. The third scene. The devil led him to Jerusalem and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down. It is written that God will command his angels concerning you and guard you carefully. They will lift, up, uh, lift you up in their hands so that they will not strike your foot against stone. And Jesus says, 
Well, it says, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Satan uh, did this also in the Garden of Eden, trying to twist God's words in order to draw mankind into sin. Remember what he said to Eve when he first approached her. Did God really say that you must not eat from that fruit? Now, Eve knew full well what God had said. So did Satan. So did Adam. And yet Satan, as he does in the temptation of Jesus here, takes the word of God and twists it to try and draw them into sin. Adam failed. And what about Israel? How did Israel do? Did they ever put God to the test? This is a quote from Exodus 17. The whole Israelite community set out from the desert of sin, traveling from place to place as the Lord commanded. And they were quarreling with Moses, and they said, give us water to drink. And Moses replied, well, why do you quarrel with me? Why, Moses said, do you put the Lord your God to the test? Why don't you trust his word that he will provide water for you to drink? But the people were thirsty for water there, and they grumbled against Moses. They said, why did you bring us up out of Egypt to make us and our children and livestock die of thirst? Moses cries out to the Lord, what am I to do with these people? They're almost ready to stone me. And the Lord says to Moses, walk on ahead of the people, take with you some of the elders of Israel, take your hand on the staff which struck the Nile and go, and I will stand there before you at the rock at Horeb, strike the rock, and water will come out of it for the people to drink. And Moses did this in the sight of all the elders of Israel, they put the Lord to the test, and out of his mercy, he doesn't judge them or strike them, but he strikes a rock, and water comes flowing forward, and you think maybe that the Israelites would have learned from that or learned from God providing for them all along all of the benefits of belonging to the true God of the universe, but did they learn? No, they continue to put the Lord God of Israel to the test. They failed just like Adam failed. For their own pleasures and their own idolatry, allowing the word of God uh, to be twisted, to be uh, mistrusted. Adam failed, Israel failed, and how does Jesus do? Uh, no, he says, it says, don't put the Lord your God to the test. And the result of that is that the devil had finished this tempting and left him until an opportune time. There are three sons in this story, and they are being lined up and laid out so that you will find yourself in their histories. We all find ourselves in Adam's history. Of course, in Adam's fall sinned we all. We are guilty because we are the sons of Adam the one who sinned and his sin is credited to our account. And we are guilty for that because we belong to that corrupt race which has rebelled against him. And uh, we can easily find ourselves with Israel too. Israel, the son of Adam, in the sense that Israel found itself being disobedient every time they were put to the test. And I know you know this in your own life. You who have been given all of the privileges of belonging to the a people of God, 
not lost in the ignorance that maybe marked the generations past in your family, not born into a false religion even, but the people of God who know what is right and who hear the law of God read, who were raised, many of us, in the fear and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. And what do we do when we face temptation? Do we say, oh, well, we aren't like Adam or we aren't like Israel. We always obey when we know what's right. No. What characterizes you? What characterizes all of us when we peel away uh, all of the self-righteousness and we, um, we look at ourselves for who we are when we stop judging other people and saying, well, their sins, uh, they have them and I don't partake of those, so I am good. When we tear all of that away, what are we left with? We are left with identifying ourselves with Adam and with Israel as people who have failed. We are ones who get drawn into the lusts of the eyes and the pride of life. We pursue our own pleasures and our own well-being rather than that of uh, God himself and of others. Uh, we are ones who treat the promises of God like they are not sure and that they will not stand and that he will not sustain us in the trials of our lives. Uh, we are the ones who in big ways and in little ways have failed this test also. We find our history in Adam and in Israel. And so the question is, then will you also find your history in Christ? Uh, because, you know, the scripture says that just as through the disobedience of the one man, Adam, the many were made sinners, so also through the obedience of the one man, the many will be made righteous. You see, God will only bless the man who fears him and restrains his feet from sin. And the only man who has ever done that, the only man who has ever, the only son who has ever passed the test, is the Lord Jesus Christ. And if we are to find peace with God, if we are to be blessed by him and not judged by him, we have to be found in that man, that son, the well-beloved son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And Jesus says... All who come to me, I will by no means cast out. All who recognize that they are failures, like the first son Adam, like the firstborn son Israel, and all who recognize that in and of themselves there is no hope for God to bless them, there is no hope for them to escape his wrath, all who will acknowledge that and then flee to me for mercy, I will give them my righteousness. If you call on me, says Jesus, God the Father will not see your failure. He will see my obedience. I will accept you because I have always, Jesus says, I have always been obedient. For every time in your thoughts, in your words, and in your actions, you have faced the temptation to do uh, to go uh, the wrong way, and you have succumbed to that temptation, for every time that has happened, I have been obedient in that way for you. So that if you put your trust in me, God will not see your failures at all, but he will see Christ covering you as if you had always obeyed as perfectly as Christ has obeyed for you. This is our whole life. 
This was the greatest triumph in human history before the resurrection. That Jesus withstood temptation. He was holy and obedient. And for all of you this morning who struggle and know in your conscience that you face sin and that you know what you should do, but you don't do it. You know what you should think, but you don't think it. You don't do the holy works that are required of you. You give in to temptation. This Jesus came for you. And he went out into the wilderness for 40 days and was, you know, submitted himself to be tempted by this angel whom he created, humiliated himself in that way for you because he loves you. He loves you and he was being obedient for you so that now you stand before God covered in his righteousness and you have no fear of judgment, no condemnation for those who are in Christ. We don't live like people who think that I am going to be judged at the end of the day based on how I did. We believe that we will be judged based on what Christ did for us and believing that we have life in His name. This is the well-beloved Son of God being obedient for you. And your life is in Him. Repent then from all of your evil works and also from all of your self-righteousness and rest in your glorious Lord who loves you and has obeyed and given himself for you. And to that, all God's people said, Amen. Let's pray. Father, the failure of our first father, Adam, and the failures of your firstborn son Israel and our own failures uh, overwhelm us like a flood. And we acknowledge that we deserve uh, judgment. And yet, for the praise of your glorious grace, you have been merciful to us in Christ. You have uh, given us his obedience as if it were our own and you have shed his blood for us and taken the curse away, and we thank you for that. Help us when we struggle never to turn inward, but to look uh, to Christ. Father, we are all sensitive by your Spirit to the ways in which we offend you, and the ways especially when we see so clearly what is right, and yet we, we fail, and we take full responsibility for that. And we embrace Christ who loves us and has given himself for us. And we thank you for him. And we pray that you would conform us more and more to his image. Help us to cast aside all these deeds of darkness, these shameful thoughts, words, and actions. And to, above all, cling to him until he delivers us in the final day and fully cleanses us. Thank you for all that he did and the strength that he had for obedience. We pray in his name alone. Amen.